Kinks and Tangents, episode 9. Hello! Hello! We are recording from the confines of our cars. Oh my goodness, it's that quarantine life. Yeah, uh, I don't want to get too far into it, so let's just move to uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight. So let's do something fun, guys. Let's talk about balloons and inflatables. Yeah, I'm super excited. This was actually something that you had brought up that we should cover. Yeah, uh, I thought uh, out of all the fetishes that we've covered, I feel like this one is very unique because even people that are like deep into fetishes, they think about like balloons and inflatables and they're like, this is odd. And for, for people that delve into fetishes thinking something's odd, you know something's a fucking kink. Yeah, and you know, I I did some uh, Googling, sort of what my responsibilities were for, for tonight's podcast, and um, let me tell you, <laughs> I came across some BDSM porn that I was, I thought I was ready, but I was not ready. Uh, and as somebody who's seen a lot, I saw I saw something new today, so that's pretty yeah. cool. I, I yeah. was pretty excited about that. It's very interesting. This is like kind of interesting territory for both of us. But at the same time, it's like not that crazy because it's so adjacent to a lot of other fetishes and kinks. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, right, um, most of the kinks that people develop are um, a hyper focus, like hyper focusing on a specific body part, on a specific action. Um, I know that um, one form of inflation is um, body part inflation, specifically mm-hmm. um, around porn in uh, hentai anime cartoon porn, where a very specific body part, usually the sexual body parts, are mm-hmm. like ridiculously, unreasonably, ginormously huge. Like yeah. boobs, butts, um, genitalia. Um, those are usually the things that you'll see sort of inflated yeah. in those forms of, of kink. And you see that in other forms as well. So it would only make sense that this is like a hyper sensitivity to a specific sensation yeah definitely um so going down in my notes from what i've recorded um the i want to say stigma but just the kind of ideas behind people that don't know much about balloon fetishes this was taken from a forum at a furry website so i mean i'm into it we talked about furries in heavy detail in past episodes um yeah and not everyone has listened to that episode. Um, just because you're a furry doesn't mean that you're into some crazy kinky stuff. Uh-huh. It just happens that a small portion of the furry community can get really, really wild, literally. Yeah. And um, they're just a very vocal part of a very mellow, very kind, normal subculture. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, so tell me more about, so, about this <laughs> ballooning. So there was a forum post literally called Confused About Balloons and Inflation. And this quote is from a forum post by Mr. Fox, and this guy had a avatar of Pickle Rick from Rick and Morty. He said, someone was trying to figure out, like, what the hell is ballooning? What is this all about? His reply, quote, it's basically a fetish for people that have never had a proper relationship. I don't know. Shit's weird as fuck, yo. But I'm really into uh... weird shit, too. So, shrug emoji. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You and I, having been part of video game culture, arcade culture, like obscure Japanese music culture, and like yeah. anime before anime conventions were even a thing, mm-hmm. you definitely do see a lot of people band together and find joy in community and understanding and acceptance in those communities. Yeah. Uh, sort of these like outside communities. But then you also have um, people that are like, wow, for me to say that that's weird, that's too weird. And it, it, there, there's this, like, weird counterculture counterculture of it's just, like, 
you're either too much of a normie or too much of a weirdo. And it's yeah. like, just let people, as long as they're not hurting, hurting anyone, let people, what is balloon, whatever. All that yeah. aside, what the hell is ballooning? Explain What's, this story. Okay, so ballooning and balloon fetishism is fascination via balloons, either through sexual arousal or stimulation. So most of the people that partake in different facets of ballooning are known in the community as lunars, L-O-O-N-E-R-S. Okay, like loon, like balloon. Yeah, so uh, there are many, many different facets to balloon fetishism. So it's not like, oh, you're into ballooning. There's like different different subcultures of it. Um, There are people that get turned on by inflation, as you said earlier. Um, People love seeing balloons get blown into full size. Uh, or they like watching someone of the same or opposite sex blow into balloons. They think it's a very erotic act. Um, some people love sensations. So the color of the balloon, feeling the tactile, you know, skin of the balloon. Is it smooth? Is it rough? Uh, the movement of the balloon, the sound that it makes. A lot of those things can be really, really, you know, arousing for some people. For other people, it's the humping aspect of it. And that, that has an entire different subculture of, you know, humping fetishes, like humping inflatables, humping stuffed toys. Um, right. People love bouncing on balloons. They love thrusting, grinding, adding attachments like dildos to balloons and then humping them. Um, I've seen that for, like, yoga balls. Yeah. Yeah, right? that's that's actually somewhat related to balloon fetishism. It's not exactly ballooning, but it's very, very adjacent to it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, some guys blow balloons up and then they basically have sex with the balloon through the opening. Okay. Or they'll have like... Oh, because of the donut- suction. Yeah, the suction or, or donut-shaped balloons where it actually creates a hole that they can fuck. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, and then another really big part of ballooning is what's called popping. People pop balloons. They sit on them. They fuck them until it explodes. Um, uh-huh. People get turned on by the really loud sound, the surprise aspect of it, or the suspense. Like, they don't know when it's going to pop, and then all of a sudden, this thing happens. Huh. And their reaction to it can be really arousing and a huge turn-on. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of, like, adjacent sort of experiences, arousals in, in all of this, right? Like, in terms yeah. of, like, the, t- the tactile nature, like... I, I've hooked up with guys that have like a PVC and like a rubber fetish. Mm-hmm. I've known people that really enjoy sex toys and that's part of, you know, their play. Um, mm-hmm. The, the sensation of like humping something, you see a lot of that in the DDLG community. Um, yeah. There's another one that you mentioned. Um, oh, um, the fact that you don't know when the balloon's going to pop, like people that are yeah. really into sort of like the, the adrenaline rush of mm-hmm. having sex in public, sort of risky sex, but in a safe way. Yeah. All of those, seeing, you know, having it be a metaphor, an analogy for a body part inflating mm-hmm. or deflating or exploding. I mean, it, yeah. it, it just naturally makes sense that this is like a really great metaphor for a bunch of sexual acts. Yeah. What's really interesting is a lot of people, they grow up having some sort of, you know, reaction to something or some experience. And that, as we dis- we discussed this in a in a previous episode, where people get imprinted, and that becomes a fetish. Because right. Of... When you're starting to develop your sexual, well, your your sexuality as a person. Yeah, absolutely. So going back into notes, I've uh, got a couple term- terminology pieces from the psychology wikia. There's a ton of terminology within that subculture of fetishism. So. Okay. Uh, for somebody that enjoys popping balloons specifically, they're known as poppers. Um, their definition was they're primarily excited by the bursting of a balloon, 
both by the anticipation and the sensory experience of the explosion itself. The method by which the balloon is popped, however, can vary dramatically. Um, however, some people enjoy blow-to-pop, in which the balloon is continually inflated until it bursts, and is commonly most fully enjoyed when executed by a partner or member of the same or opposite sex to which the popper is attracted to. Okay. So there's a, a bit of a like a give and pull with mm-hmm. you know some of these aspects of popping where you know somebody that you're really attracted to is in charge of that action. Right. The non-popper, on the other hand, dislikes often vehemently destroying the balloon, but instead chooses to admire or interact with it. So this type of lunar is more varied and individualistic with their preferred interaction. Um, They can simply blow up the balloon, hold the balloons. They get pleasure out of that. Uh, They like watching other people interact with balloons, uh, maybe humping them or feeling them on their skin, um, placing it on your penis or vagina. That's also known as boinking. In the popper community. Boinking? Boinking, yes. When you just <laughs> bounce the balloon against I love that. Well, yeah. Because it's got a little bit of give, and it's also got a lot, of, a little bit of resistance, too. So it's like that really nice balance of like yeah. rubbing up against something that's rubbing back, but not giving in. And yeah, no, like, yeah. That, that would make sense. Yeah, and it reminds me a lot of um, pillow humping. Yeah. Or stuff toy humping, where people learn to do that as they develop sexually, and then right. that sticks with them as a fetish. So, as I was saying earlier with inflated uh, related fetishes, um, so there's inflation fetishism, which you were talking about, where people get aroused with the visual of a body being inflated, like a balloon. Right. Um, and uh, that's, Veruca Salt from, like, Willy Wonka, right, is usually yeah. cited as, like, a big source of inspiration for that. Yeah, absolutely. That's so funny to hear because I was reading that so much going into this. Same. Yeah. It's very interesting because a lot of people grew up with that movie. Um, also related to that is breast expansion. Uh, you see that in a lot of like fan art or fetish art. Of right. Just breasts just growing to immense inhuman sizes. Uh, right. Pre- pregnancy fetishes. So I have seen uh, that. Yeah, women becoming impregnated and their bellies blow up like crazy. Um, there's also bubblegum fetishes. So that's also related. Watching someone with low bubbles and watching them pop. Right. But again, that, that, that just keeps coming right, right back to like oral fixation, people associating this act of blowing, um, yeah. somebody's lips, uh, with something sexual. That which is, which is really funny. Tracks. You know, sometimes you, there's, there's some acts or something that happens in your childhood that, that becomes so imprinted. I remember as a kid, I hated people chewing bubble gum right next to me. Huh. Like, as a little kid, and then, like, my sisters and some of their friends would purposely blow bubbles right in front of me to get a reaction out of me. Now that I think about it, I'm like, holy shit, like, watching people blow bubblegum is actually a major turn-on for me. Is it really? Yeah. So, so what weird. age were you when your sisters uh, and, her, I, and their friends were doing that? I must have been, like, five or six. Interesting. Yeah. So it was like, but I, was, I think it also, tra- but it does track with your sort of like personality. Yeah. That like something that like was done to kind of get under your skin or get a rise out of you mm-hmm. would be something that could be a turn on. Yeah. And I think those two parts of the brain, like they really interact. Right. Because it's kind of like that give and pull, that suspense. And that's a huge, uh, you know, like sexual stimulant. Totally. Yeah. And again, like what does the human body do when it is aroused? Nipples get erect, penises swell, yeah. vaginal lips swell, clits swell. I mean, it, 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 
is a visual indicator of, of something enticing. Um, mm-hmm. There's actually a really great TED Talk or um, NPR podcast. I can't remember which one about sort of the psychology of balloons and why balloons are so interesting and so fascinating. And everybody loves balloons. And mm-hmm. um, the speaker uh, talked about how the round shape is just a very pleasant shape to look at in terms of design. Round huh. objects are incredibly pleasant. Um, rounded edges and corners are far more pleasant to look at. Children's toys are usually rounded, hmm. um, simple shapes and colors. Uh, a lot of colors yeah. are delightful to the human eye. We love to see a variety of color. Um, even if you look at um, a Pixar film and mm-hmm. it's like a Pixar's um, Finding Nemo, yeah. uh, for example, mm-hmm. everything's blue. The ocean is blue, but it's different types of blue and there's different types of fish and there's uh-huh. like a greenish, bluish sort of scene, but then the coral is a different color, purple and green, and there's orange mm-hmm. in there. And that delights us on like such a, a base level as, as creatures. Yeah. So it would make sense that colorful, round balloons that just already are pleasing to us as human beings are going to also be pleasing to us as sexual creatures as well. It's really interesting, yeah. Like seeing something round and like just really simple abstract objects or abstract shapes totally can be such a huge turn on um the whole uh balloon fetish uh, i was gonna say fandom but uh fetish community it could be a fandom Uh, it it can be a fandom (laughs) (laughs) i mean a lot of people make fan art you know their favorite you know animated shows or video game characters they mix it with balloons or inflation it's a really common thing yeah but I've noticed looking into research, there's a huge crossover with other clothing fetishes. Yeah, from makes what sense. I, from what I've seen with uh, a lot of the videos, you know, on like Xtube and Pornhub, all those, um, most of the time there's typically three or four major clothing fetishes that go along with ballooning. The most two huh. common I've seen are latex and rubber, as you said. Right. And I think that also goes back into whole into the whole abstract shapes, simplistic shapes, color. And mm-hmm. that skin tight look. Right. And it complements, you know, ballooning so well. Um, lycra and spandex are extremely common too. Leotards especially. Yeah. And that's something yeah, I've I mean, noticed. Yeah, it's a tactile thing, right? Yeah. And I think it's also the shape because, you know, when you look at leotards, there's that high cut hip look. Right. And that's shapely and it's like a very simplistic, you know. And very round. Very round aesthetic. Yeah, especially. Yeah. Also, I've noticed... Me being a huge fan of the 80s, there's a huge fucking 80s crossover with ballooning. And it's, I find it bizarre, but I also find it really cool. Honestly, I think that there's a lot to be said about sort of um, trends in in culture and Mm -hmm. sort of, for example, um, medical play became really popular um, after the 80s and 90s because of AIDS. The AIDS scare really really impacted people. Yeah. And, um, it's funny because it's very relevant to right now. Yeah. You had a lot of um, fetishes come out around like um, bug hunting, people mm-hmm. that would sleep around um, with the with risky partners because the the risk of getting AIDS or something was uh-huh. sexually attractive to them. Um, mm-hmm. Medical play became sexualized um, after AIDS, so I think it's the same thing with the '80s in that. Um, round, very geometric shapes became, began mm-hmm. to come, become very popular. We started to see a lot more round architecture, which was not really yep. a thing 
Um, up until that time, it was kind of a, a, a re return to graphic shapes. You saw a lot of um, polka dots. So the, the a round yeah. form was just a very common thing in the 80s, um, which is also mm-hmm. why in the 90s we started to move towards really sharp shapes. Yep. So we're just going to continue to go back and forth um, in, in, in that fashion. Um, for example, in the 2000s, a lot of florals and a lot of birds were really popular motifs mm-hmm. in art and then it went very geometric yeah and then it went into florals again and <laughs> now we're coming back to you know like camo and more geometric patterns and you know these things are going to mm-hmm. ebb and flow so now that we're in the middle of this pandemic and people cannot see each other and um and there was mm-hmm. no sort of warning of being sequestered and quarantined I'm really curious to see what's going to happen in the next couple uh-huh. of months as we start to come back to some semblance of normalcy and what our new normalcy is going to look like and how the sexuality yeah. of people is going to change. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about as far as, you know, you're you're stuck with your partner. And from what I've heard from, you know, different articles and, and reading on, on people's experiences, like a lot of people are taking their time to like tell their partner, hey... I really like doing this. Like they're being yeah. really honest with the things that they like. And I'm wondering how that's going to track because there's right. a lot of people like opening up and saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to be honest with you because you know, I have nothing left to lose. These are my fetishes. This, this is what I like. Yeah. Cause you can't get it anywhere else right now. Yeah. And especially with things like cam girling, camming is blown up. It's blown up like mad and like group zoom sex chats with people which they're cracking down on yeah it's, which is a shame because we just we recorded exhibitionism a couple of weeks ago yeah. months ago i don't even know what year it is anymore <laughs> um but it's funny how like warriorism and exhibitionism has also spiked probably because of the quarantine yeah but yeah it's crazy, crazy about how ballooning has all of these like adjacent sort of um kinks related to it a lot of people think that there's some sort of uh connection like that people that don't really know much about it they think that there's something to do with children or it's like a pedophilia type thing and yeah it's really not that at all I again like having been in in the BDSM community um and practicing BDSM myself and like having been part of subcultures I think that that's always the fear yeah um from an outsider's perspective because children are vulnerable um children are um, curious and so it's very easy for them to get caught up in something that is just not appropriate for them to be exposed to mm-hmm. um, but I really feel and it is my bias and my experience that um, people that do take these the kink um, scene seriously very aggressively um, yeah. try to be respectful and responsible about it um, mm-hmm. one of my favorite Facebook groups um, actually had made an addendum to their rules. And then they're they're like, look, if you took this photo 20 years ago when you were 17, Mm -hmm. we don't want to see it. You were 17. It's still child porn. Or I I get that you were 16 when this happened and you're 70 years old now. It's still inappropriate. Like it's really great to see adults taking that very seriously and trying to create space Mm -hmm. for it to be an adult thing. Um, I do wonder about how 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 do you safely expose a young person to kink 
in a way that is not perverse. And I don't know if and when I have children, how I would have those sorts of conversations of some people really like having fists put up their asshole and that is their thing. And if you don't want to do that thing, you don't have to do that thing. And if that's a thing that you want to do, please do it safely and have good health care. Mm-hmm. Because a ruptured butthole is, is it's not a pleasant thing. Um, yeah. But yeah. I could see because of the nature of, I guess it's the same thing with DLG. It's the same thing mm-hmm. with like a, a many other fetishes, right? It's just like because there's a kid adjacent element to it, um, people are going to assume that children are involved and everyone is evil and they're all pedophiles yeah. and disgusting, which yeah. I'm sure small with every every subculture Mm -hmm. there's always going to be those assholes yep 100 percent. absolutely but i think people just genuinely enjoy this thing and if they're not harming they're adults and they're consenting and they're not harming anyone and they're in terms psychologically physically emotionally enjoy it (laughs) yeah seriously um which brings me to another uh bit of information that i found um this one's from the mirror the the uk tabloid um There's a woman, she's 31. She goes by the nickname of Maggie Berloon, B-E-R-L-O-O-N. I love this already. (laughs) She started experimenting with inflatables over a decade ago after meeting her husband. And now she describes it as, quote, a hell of a lot of bouncy fun. So she got into the... I love a good pun. Yeah. (laughs) She she got into the subculture um, knowing nothing about it. She got introduced through through her husband. Um, and she loved it. Like she thought it was weird at first. She thought it was kind of fun. Um, she became uh, a bit of a popper in the looting community. So she loves, you know, that, that anticipation of, uh, popping the balloon. She said, most people are just naturally surprised and have tons of questions since they've never heard of it before or never had the chance to even talk with someone about it. Uh, she added that sometimes people seem interested at first, but end up making really silly jokes. And I guess often this just comes out of insecurity or maybe they themselves struggle with their own sexuality, their own sexual needs or fantasies in some way. Yeah, I mean, everybody handles things differently. And when when you're put into an unpredictable situation, it's actually a human, a very common human trait to use humor as a way to dispel um, discomfort mm-hmm. to build up a sense of community. Um, so it, it would make sense that if something yeah. makes you feel a little weird or uncomfortable, or you don't really know what to do, you kind of chuckle or you make, you do some laughter. Cause that's yeah. just, it's, it's Just a way to like, built. yeah, to dislodge that kind of uncertainty. So there was actually a separate article from Buzzfeed Germany uh, talking to the same woman. Uh, she had a couple, uh, bullet points about her life in the balloon fetishism community. Uh-huh. Uh, so number one, I enjoy the mere sight of balloons. Number two, feeling the way they expand and how the pressure is building and getting more intense makes me almost ache with pleasure. Uh, the third one, popping a balloon is like a vibrator running out of batteries right when you're in the middle of it and it's about to go over the edge. Okay. So it's a little bit of like an edging yeah. situation. A little, little bit of an edging situation. Um, as we discussed earlier, uh, her next point was all lunars are completely different. They like different things. Um, and not every lunar is innately into balloons. They might be into pool toys. They might be into stuffed animals, pillows. So for right. her, that, that entire subculture isn't just balloons. It's the act of this you know, abstract object and you're doing something sexual with it. 
uh, one of her other quotes, because I only discovered my predilection for balloons later, I felt about the same way about balloons as I did streamers. They were fun to have around, but nothing more. For other lunars, however, there's often an event or several in their childhood that triggered their fetish, as we discussed earlier. Uh, for right. example, a balloon popping at a birthday party or at a school celebration. Uh, personally, she says, my fave sexual position is on the balloon laying on my belly, taking it from behind from my husband. Okay. Yeah. So she uses it as a tool while she's having sex with her with her husband. Um, yeah, and again, I, I think that's what's so fascinating about kinks is, like, every there's commonalities and there's differences. And, like, yeah. the way people express themselves is just as unique as, as they, you know, sexually enjoy themselves. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, and then uh, she emphasized as the last point. Uh, it can be strange for some people, but for themselves and for their partners, it's just silly, arousing, and a hell of a lot of fun. That silly, silliness and letting your hair down, becoming ridiculous, is such a huge turn-on, and it leads to really strong orgasms. Yeah, I think that's a, that's another great point. You know, sex is, is such a different thing for so many different people. For some people, it's like they make love, and it's, it's yeah. romantic, and it's slow, and it's passionate. And for other mm-hmm. people, it's rough and violent and and passionate in a different way and for others it's sweet and it's gentle and for some people it's fun and high energy and yeah you know everything in between um Mm -hmm. so it again it it, i it tracks that somebody that's into ballooning is into it because it's fun because it's exciting you don't know where it's gonna go um whereas somebody that is into something a little bit more romantic slower um i don't know if predictable is the right word but um, a little more vanilla uh, in a way calming relaxing yeah may not necessarily enjoy ballooning yeah and it's really interesting like for me personally researching into this and fighting common traits that turn me on Mm -hmm. i'm just like oh yeah like my favorite you know all forms of sex i love but like i really am gravitated to that fun kinky ridiculous sex and like you know, like balloon, like bubblegum popping and dressing up. And like, I, that's such a huge turn on to me. Yeah. So it would make sense that if, you know, you had these analogous fetishes or kinks, um, you would do ballooning on the side or, yeah. you know, you would fall into it naturally because it's, it's a similar subculture. Yeah, definitely. And like personally looking through, you know, some amateur videos that people have posted like uh there was one specific one it was two guys and they were humping with a balloon in the middle kind of a big balloon uh-huh and like i was watching it i'm just kind of like that's actually kind of hot right because <laughs> it's just like you see them they're having fun and just like they're bouncing on this <laughs> object and like they just look like they're having the time of their lives it sounds then, like wholesome yeah it's it's really wholesome <laughs> in a way it's weird <laughs> love that yeah i'm so glad that we're covering something a little bit more wholesome because i feel like some of the stuff that we've covered is like really raw or intense or like very serious and like this seems Mm -hmm. like something like anybody could try yeah you can go to party city buy a balloon or two for like three or four bucks yeah and just like try it and eat it and then you can never do it again yeah and it's like super low investment yeah or like maybe not even just a balloon but like if you have an exercise ball lying around true you know if you totally were just in the mood and you want to try humping it for a day and see what it's like or attach a dildo or a vibrator to it yeah i wonder i wonder what that would even look like but it can't possibly be that hard oh, a fun thing that 
people in the rope community will do is when you have a rig on, like especially like if, a, if you have a full body harness or if you're suspended, mm-hmm. um, you'll uh, take a vibrator and you apply it to a rope and a line is what it's called. Um, or a specific part of the body that has that rope tied onto it, um, onto the rope, you will feel oh. the vibration in a different part of your body where the rope is. So um, oh. I wonder if you're sitting on, an, on a um, yoga ball mm-hmm. with, um, say, your clit pressed against the ball, mm-hmm. and then you take a vibrator and then you touch the vibrator to the ball, not necessarily near your clit, I wonder what that sensation is going to be like, or if you yeah. like smack it, the reverberation of uh-huh. the ball, uh, yeah. I'm sure is going to ha- have some sort of sensation on your body. Yeah. And I think probably the dampening of the, the, the sensation of the vibrations coming from it, mm-hmm. they dampen as they travel through the ball. So I think probably that kind of subdued feeling might be such a turn on. It might totally. feel good. You might reposition the vibrator. You might get it, you know, might get a bigger sensation. Or, totally. you know, if you're rubbing your penis against it and right. you run a vibrator too through that, that's, then your entire shaft true. is getting vibrated. You know, that's something I hadn't even considered is like if you um, rub your finger along along the edge of the balloon and it catches, so it's going to have that natural sort of like friction, like tapping friction. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So when we first talked about doing inflation stuff, my mind went in a completely different place. Really? And... It didn't, balloons did not occur to me. Yoga balls didn't occur to me. My brain went straight to inflation sex toys. It went Uh to blow up dolls and it went to like BDSM inflation. Huh. So, um, I figured a good place for me to start is, um, sort of just the toys that you could find. Um, if you just type in inflation sex toys, Mm -hmm. you'll get tons of lists that are, um, Plugs, dildos, anima kits, huge fucking inflatable accordion cocks, <laughs> and other crazy monstrosities to fill your different crevices up. So that was really cool and interesting to just like go literally face first into. Uh-huh. I noticed across the board, going through reviews, going through some of the like pain points that people have with these inflation um, toys, is um, lubrication. And mm-hmm. honestly, that makes sense. Yeah. When something is inflating, it's increasing in surface area, which means you need more lube. Yeah, So absolutely. To me, mathematically, scientifically, that tracks anyone looking to get into this and wants to get into any toys. Make sure you have water-soluble lube. Yeah. Uh, so, that, so that's cool. And it looks like the appeal for inflatable toys, especially anally, is to really enjoy the, st- the simulation of being filled up to the max. And this oh, yeah. is especially interesting for people that are not wanting to stretch out the, the openings, um, especially mm-hmm. of damaging sphincter muscles. Oh, yeah. So, right. um, for example, like um, dildos or specifically butt plugs, the neck of it and, mm-hmm. and the, sorry, the neck and like the, the base that's flared out, uh-huh. um, that does not change in size. It's the bulb that changes in size and starts to inflate inside of you. Interesting. And so that gives you a full simulation, a full stimulation in a way that you would not be able to shove something that wide in diameter into that hole. Mm-hmm. So that is super appealing for people. Um, another huge appeal, and this is actually a pain point that I have, with um, butt plugs is that mm-hmm. the shape allows for the toy to stay inside of you and there's really? a much lower risk of it popping out of your butt. Yeah. And oh. like, it makes sense, right? Like if, if you're using a butt plug that 
is, you know, got the bulb and then it's got the little neck and then it's got a big wide base. Mm -hmm. If it was, if if you're lubed up and it went in pretty easily, should be able to come out easily too, right? But if you increase the size of the bulb, there's nowhere for it to go. Yeah, that's right. But it's not stretching the opening. So I thought that that was super interesting. And just like a lot of people have reported um, both anally and vaginally that it's able to kind of get into the nooks and crannies. Really? So it it provides a lot of pressure. Um, Men have reported that it provides a lot of really great pressure to the prostate. Mm -hmm. Women have reported that it um, touches the vaginal wall in a way that like a large dick would not be able to, or Uh even like a G-spot stimulator would not be able to get to. So um, none of these things ever occurred to me. And it actually made me really curious about getting an inflatable butt plug because it was just like, cool, like, that, that sensation awesome. is something, right? Like, I was like, that's fascinating. Like, I, it had never occurred to me that that would be something to do. Um, that hmm. being said, there is there is a lot of um, play, especially um, in communities that do do a lot of anal. Uh, enema play is, is huge. And mm-hmm. for the, exactly the same reason that an inflatable object would be yeah. um uh, stimulating, uh, water filling you up like that can, Mm -hmm. can be really, um, attractive to some people and having that sensation. Um, so I thought that that was all super, super fascinating. And then another thing that I found sort of, um, inflatable toy slash inflatable toy adjacent Mm -hmm. was, um, suction toys. Um, and this is, um, both for like nipples and clits and um, also like dicks, obviously, mm-hmm. um, using air as a means by which to get the suction feeling um, has is, is incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when we talk about inflatable toys, <laughs> you got the inflatable sex doll. So the tried um, and true inflatable the tried sex doll. And true. <laughs> so um, sex dolls um, as a whole, I think, is like a whole ass inflatable rabbit hole that we yeah. really need a whole episode on. Mm-hmm. Um, but a really, really brief toe um, dip into the water of sort of the history and the background of, of this. Uh-huh. Um, the first sex dolls were created by the French. They were called oh. um, Dame de Voyage in, um, in Spanish and the Spaniards Dama de Viaje. So sailors hmm. in the 16th century who are men by themselves for an extended period of time without women mm-hmm. um, would be isolated. And so they would have these masturbatory dolls. And most of them are usually made with like cloth. Um, uh-huh. They're sewn and it's usually like used for voyages and whatnot. And interestingly, the Dutch sold some of these dolls to the Japanese people mm-hmm. during the Rangaku period. Which is where, in Japan, the term Dutch wives, or Dutchy waifu, um, <laughs> is used. And it's still used to this wow, day, actually. Wow, crazy. So, Dutchy waifu is, um, is how you would uh, describe wanting an inflatable sex doll. That's and so it's specifically, that came about because around the 80s and I think the 90s, when they were creating love dolls, mm-hmm. or rabu daru, um, the, the really high-end, beautiful silicone sex yeah. dolls that go for thousands of dollars. The very human-like really ones. Very, very human-like yeah. ones. Um, the, um, that industry really wanted to distance themselves from their cheaper cousins, mm-hmm. which is why they, they started to call them um, Dachi Waifu <laughs> and then uh, Rabu Doru. Moving on from sort of the, I think this is like around the 1600s, um, Iwan Bloch, 
wrote about sex dolls in the early 1900s, saying that they were made out of rubber and other plastic materials in both male and female form. And um, some were basically meant to like simulate vaginal lubrication, even like Mm -hmm. ejaculation. So like early 1900s, we start to see people become more and more sophisticated as we have more and more sophisticated um, materials start to come out. Mm -hmm. Um, Polyvinyl chloride was discovered in the 1870s. So vinyl and PVC in its plasticized form um, was lightweight and flexible. It was Mm -hmm. cheaper than rubber, latex or silicone which is what allows the doll to be inflated. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I think I wrote 1870s, but I'm pretty sure I mean 1970s. <laughs> that sounds more right to me. Yeah. Um, so in the 1970s, the blow-up doll was born. Um, and it's really hard to like go into like all the details of all this, but basically like we had this big cultural sexual revolution in the 60s, which ended up having a huge backlash in the 70s, but mm-hmm. it's still free love. So there was... Um, laws around what could and couldn't be sent in the mail at the time, including mm-hmm. anything of a sexual nature. Um, by the late sixties, that law had pretty much lost its foothold. Oh, actually no. So 1870s was right because blow up dolls could be made of uh, welded vinyl or latex. And that was inv- invented in the 1920s. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So blow up dolls have been around for a long time, but I think they didn't really become popular as we know blow up dolls to be until the sixties. Huh. Um, and let's see, um, they're super simple. They basically look like, um, a vague resemblance of a silhouette of a person (laughs) with like maybe a hole for like a specific orifice. Nipples are usually painted on Mm -hmm. the hands are basically mittens. Like they're not very sophisticated. (laughs) They're not meant to last more than like one or two uses, um, since they're not not professionally made <laughs> yeah i mean they're just not they're it's literally a balloon like it's not yeah. gonna last long oh hey um, good tie-in right uh and then uh honestly looking at inf- these inflatable balloons is genuinely really terrifying i looked at an anime one and i was mm-hmm. like low-key high-key freaked out um <laughs> But what's really cool is that they're becoming more and more complex, even though the the doll itself, the inflatable doll is like $30, $40, $60, maybe mm. even $100. Um, you could buy like this vagina part, like basically a flashlight that you can uh-huh. put into her. Interesting. And then you fuck, you fuck the doll with the, the sleeve in it. Huh. Um, so I looked through a couple of reviews of an anime one, and here are my favorite reviews. <laughs> Go for it. A- Ahem. This thing got small holes multiple times, and I gorilla glued them closed, which worked, and then it completely popped open down the middle. Oh, no. Unfortunately, it's a very low durability product and will not get many uses, likely, depending on what you are doing with it. <laughs> Another one that I liked was, there are a few things I'd like to say about the doll, dot, dot, dot. How the hell do you get the vagina in the hole? Arms are in the wrong position. Head as well. <laughs> It's like the equivalent of one one out of five stars on Amazon will not buy. This person gave four stars. He did? Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't understand. Um, and then I, I thought it was really interesting, but there are some inflatable sex dolls that are made in the forms of animals, most notably huh. sheep and cows. And these are usually like given as like a joke gift or like a party like novelty, a novelty bachelor. Yeah, and not really like made for sexy sexy times and Uh please please just let's not let's just not let's not fuck animals for realsies and let's not fuck them for pixies more more Um, balloons more balloons and balls less animals yeah 
And then another thing that was, I thought was an interesting sort of um, blow-up doll adjacent was um, anime blow-up dolls, uh-huh. which is basically kind of like the waifus, the pillows, the dakimakuras. Um, daki uh-huh. meaning to embrace or cling, and makura meaning pillow, hmm. which is basically like a large body pillow from Japan. But they have the kind that are basically, it's like a blow-up pillow mm-hmm. with a fuck hole. And it's got a really huh. cute anime girl printed on it. Interesting. Totally a thing. And I don't know if you would ask me ask for that as a as a dachi waifu, uh-huh. but um, if you're in uh, if you're in uh, Akihabara, mm-hmm. um, might as well ask. Next time I go to Japan, I'm gonna look around for them. Keep an eye out. Yep. That fuck pillow. Um, and then so kind of going back into more the kink side of things, the BDSM side of things, um, which for me is more interesting and more fascinating. Um, just body inflation mm-hmm. as a whole. Um, it looks like, again, it's more related to sexual organs, women's bellies growing. I saw one thing on a yeah. BDSM website. I saw a lot of these on BDSM websites of like women's bodies being filled, like their tummies um, kind of bloating. And I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure how that's being done. Um, whether it's air or if it's water. Um, but it's basically meant to be um, like and then like an enema, for example. You uh-huh. do have that um, fullness feeling and then you will reach a point where it's too kind of like you got to pee and you yeah. have that pain from wanting to pee. Yeah. Which, OK, weird story, but I, I like get weirdly sexually aroused by like having a full bladder, but I can't pee because uh-huh. I have something to do. And that stems from when I I was at a movie theater with my first love and I had to pee mm-hmm. super bad and this is the first time we ever held hands or cuddled oh. so I'm sitting in this movie theater and I have a bladder full of like popcorn and soda and I'm like I would rather piss myself <laughs> and like you know like it's the first time you're like cuddling with the opposite sex or you're actually this is when I first finally started liking guys uh-huh. um the first time you're like near you're like sexual choice body organ person Uh and it's like so wholesome right but you're like so turned on and so happy just to be like sitting next to and holding hands with somebody yeah it's like that 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 feeling that like pit feeling in your stomach where it's just like you're aroused but you're just so like filled with feelings yes but also my bladder is literally (laughs) fucking filled to the brim with like urine and i don't want to get up so i have like this weird connection i this just occurred to me of like (laughs) having to go pee but also being really turned on and it's like a really conflicting feeling well it's really i feel like this is going to come back sharing this information is going to come back to (laughs) fucking feel it but it's like a thing apparently this is like okay, yeah. So it's like bladders and bubble gum. I feel like this should be the yeah. name of the episode. Bladders and bubble gum. Yeah. Right. We have the name of the episode right here. <laughs> but I think also, uh, in a way, you know, like having a full bladder, there's added pressure, and there's yeah. more blood flow in that area. So yep. of course and it's going to be stimulating. Stim- stimulation. Yeah. Totally. And I feel like that's a whole other thing, like um, pee play and all that. Um, there's golden I showers. <laughs> golden showers, all that stuff. Like there's, I think. Again, all of these things are adjacent. The human human sexuality is a very, very complex thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And then it got even more interesting. So oh? um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, saline injections. I've heard of it. Okay. So for those that have not heard of it, <laughs> it's 
saline is um, basically salt water. Um, it's uh, when you're... sterilized salt water, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like very, very low, very low salt level. Um, it's basically mm-hmm. meant to rehydrate you. It's it's a way for hospitals to um, provide you water mm-hmm. when you can't drink water. For example, if you've had an operation. Uh-huh. So um, saline can be injected into the body. Um, if you've seen the like japanese trend girls getting donuts on their foreheads those are saline (laughs) injections your body will absorb saline so um saline injections can be done just under the skin um you can't do it into the muscle so this is Mm -hmm. um subcutaneous injections um breast and scrotal infusions are the most popular but labias, um, buttocks, clits, uh, clit hoods, excuse me, pubic mounds, and penile shafts are all very common requests for um, for saline injections. Interesting. So, and the body completely absorbs the saline within 24 to 48 hours, depending on the amount that you inject, inject. of course, and your metabolism and how dehydrated you are. Um, so you'd basically, if this was something that you wanted to do, um, your body would go back to normal within a day or two. Interesting. Cause I'm, so, I'm wondering like, what, what are the effects on, you know, your, your capillaries, your blood vessels on your skin and, you know, things like that. I mean, it's the same thing as drinking a lot of water. Yeah. Um, and it, and this being said, this is definitely a form of edge play. This is going to take a lot of medical experience. You do not want to do this at home nope um you want to you you definitely want to be sure that you're doing this safely and i'm not even going to tell you how to get it done because good it should be hard and it should be difficult for you to figure out to who to go to yeah and you, you're quarantined so that means you can't get the supplies anyways and <laughs> you can't even go anywhere to get it done so that so that's that yeah so that being said um according to the article that i was reading the reason why some people like to do this to the testicles is because um the testes, when you saturate them with a lot of saline, that sac mm. um, becomes less sensitive after the procedure because it swells and your testicles feel like they're, because they are suspended in the water. Uh-huh. And um, like if you slap the testicles before having this infusion put in, it would hurt like a bitch because mm. hello. Oh, yeah. But if you did it afterwards, um, you kind of, you feel it, but it's not as painful and apparently it like heightens the sensation because of the weight on your balls and like uh-huh. the swinging could be, could, could be a pleasant sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, again, do not try this at home. Do, don't, don't, don't try <laughs> just, it at home. Don't try it at if home. If you want to get hydrated, just drink some Gatorade. Yep. Drink some water. Yeah. Do not try this at home. But yeah. it is a thing that people do. Um, I just like. Just like any any other creature, our bodies are going to swell when we are turned on. That yep. happens to dogs. It happens to cats. It happens <laughs> to all forms of mammals. And it happens to us. So it, it makes sense that yeah. inflation, ballooning, swelling, all of this stuff is uh, is going to be a turn on to some people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Botox, or not Botox, uh, saline injections and having donuts on your forehead. Yeah, or even, you know, being attracted to big, fat dicks and yeah. seeing the veins bulging out and seeing big balloon ball fucking swinging tits. Like, for some yeah. people, that's like, holy shit. Or like, it's like, like that nine month, Yeah, or like nine month about to pop pregnancy, you know, pregnancy yeah. belly. And again, like, think about it. Like, juicy, delicious fruit and flesh is like, 
ripe, plump, glossy. The skin is really nice and thin. The second you bite into it, the skin kind of ruptures a little bit. All of that is linked to the things that we like to eat, which bring us pleasure. So So it's only natural, right? Yeah. I never thought of it that way. The surface of a cherry, if you look at, if you think about the surface of a cherry, you think about the surface of PVC latex clothing and you'll think Mm. about a balloon, all of those things have a lot in common. Yeah. Two, you know, giant round things. That you can put into your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's everything. Do you have anything else? uh, I think that's it for me. It's a very interesting topic. Very fun and lighthearted. So the takeaway from this is don't inject saline at home, but if you have a vibrator and an exercise ball, feel free to have fun. Experiment. Experiment. Have fun. (laughs) And most of all, be safe. And wash your hands. And wash your hands and have a lot of orgasms. (laughs) I love it. Have lots of orgasms while you're in quarantine. Exactly. It's good for stress. Did you know that actually um, orgasms release a shit ton of endorphins? So it's like, if you're Uh bummed out or you're having a shitty day, masturbate. It'll make you feel better. Honestly, I masturbate every night before I go to bed. Best sleep aid ever. It really is. Yeah. I've tried, um, I've tried going without and like being an edge queen, all that bullshit. I can't. I literally have to masturbate to go to bed. Right. I I either have to be dead tired or I have to masturbate. Yeah. Or take sleeping aids. Same with me. Like sometimes like, not even that, like. I'll be, like, falling asleep playing video games, like, playing Animal Crossing or something. And, like, (laughs) I'll get ready to go to bed, and then I get that that small second wind right before bed, and and I'm just like, fuck it. Masturbating. Animal Crossing. Dude. What? Animals. Furries. Balloons. In Animal Crossing. What? Rule 34 must be blowing up right now. Oh, man. I I feel like we need... It all comes back to the furries. It all comes back to the furries. (laughs) And that one guy was saying, what the fuck is this all about? (laughs) (laughs) Yay. We made it through another episode. I'm so happy. All right, guys. Have a good uh, post-listening session. If you're listening to this while under quarantine, please be safe and have fun. And we'll see you soon. All right, bye. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.